Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Hey, everyone. Real quick before we start the show, Brad wrote an amazing ebook that will teach you everything you need to know about house hacking and living rent free. To get a free copy, text house hack, all one word, to 22828. That's house hack all one word to 22828 to get your free copy. All right. Welcome to Ask House Hacking Success episode two. Uh, this is very exciting. We got a lot of questions on our first Instagram post. We're working really hard to cover them all, um, but we're going to keep going. We're going to keep plugging away. Uh, so we're super first excited. Question. We're super excited because like, this is what it's all about. You know, we bring a lot of hosts on and and, you know, we're, we're continuing to record. We have a big backlog now of people that want to come on and, and record and everything. But the real reason why we're doing this is to help you, the listener. And sometimes Drew and I, we can forget, like, what our original thoughts were and what our original questions were from when we first started this journey. So that's why it's super cool. We really appreciate all the DMs we've gotten, the comments that we've gotten, the emails that we've gotten. I mean, it's, we've just got so many. We're trying to answer all of them. But it just it reminds us of the thoughts that we had. And it, we just want to reaffirm with you that you're on the right path. Like we had every single one of these thoughts. Uh, we had every single one of these doubts or or, or confrontations, right? Uh, I guess I can't say every single one, but like we've had these and many of the people we've interviewed have had these too. So like you're on the right direction. You're learning. You're listening to this. Like we really, really appreciate you and we appreciate the comments and the, the uh, questions. Yeah, well said, Brad. It's really exciting. We really want to build this community and be able to lift each other up. Absolutely. Okay, so we got the first question is from Sanchez. He said, I'm interested in the FHA and 203k loan. I have a full-time job and I'm tired of wasting money on rent. How do I start? That, absolutely. That's a great question. And uh, the 203k loan has a personal spot in my heart because I personally use it. Um, but episode three, Matt Picaro came on. He's at the 203k on Instagram. Uh, if you're not following him, definitely go follow him if you're interested in the 203k loan because he has incredible content. And I'm going to go over some of that content, some things he does. But he has you know, every day he's providing different value and content for you. So uh, if you're interested, follow him or and go listen to that podcast. Um, but the 203k way or 203k is an incredible tool for you. Uh, and so there's a couple things to consider. First of all, before you get on this house hacking journey, you have to you have to uh, analyze what you want. Do you want to put some upfront work and create cash flow and equity on the backside, or do you want to go into a move-in ready, right? Because Drew and I did it differently, and we're both had the same end result. Drew went into a great like location right on the most prestigious mile of of his city, right, and he bought a move-in ready property. He put a tenant in there and he only had to pay $200 a month or 180, whatever it ended up being, uh, which is incredible for, you know, the value he's gotten from that property. I did my first one completely different, right? Because of my flipping background, I used to flip properties. I did a two or three K loan. You know, I, I increased the property by 120 something thousand dollars, right. In, in value. Um, and you know, got huge, uh, you know, huge, uh, cash flow returns, but the amount of work that it took, me versus the amount of work that it took Drew was substantially different, right? The amount of struggle, you could say, was a, a lot different, right? It was a lot easier for Drew and a lot harder for me. Now, one could say one was better than the other. My thought is that neither is better. They both work and they both work really, really well. You just have to figure out which one you want, you know, which one you want to do. So that's the first thought. 
Now, if you've gotten to the point where you want to do a two to three K, which I'm a huge fan of, then let's, let's, you know, address that. Two or three Ks are awesome. First of all, you can get multi-units, you can get two, three, four units, and it doesn't matter, right? When you get into conventional, some of the other loans, and you get up to uh, three and four units, sometimes they have different requirements that you have to have now. FHA doesn't, which is awesome. So uh, I guess we can break down my specific loan uh, for a two or three K and kind of walk through that so you can get a real life example. Uh, I bought a property right, and needed a ton of work. I mean, uh, a gut job. I added a fourth unit, which we don't have, necessarily have to go into because it, that may not be something that you personally want to do. Um, you know, and, and you can listen to the first episode, which I explain a little bit more of my, you know, my background if you want to understand that. But I got a property. Uh, the bank loaned me thirty thousand dollars for the renovation. I brought in some capital outside of that for myself uh, to to do additional uh, renovations. That was just a personal choice. I could have got it all financed by the bank. You can make that decision yourself as the listener. Um, but the bank will really a lot, you know, loan you as much as you want to renovate it. Matt Picaro had a hundred thousand uh, dollar bank loan, you know, for the renovation itself. Um, just the renovation, you had a hundred thousand. I only did thirty, so you know that's a conversation you can have with your loan officer and how much you need. But I I bought a property, did thirty thousand uh, dollar, uh, you know, renovation on it from the bank, and then I did additional on my my uh, you know on my end. I, I put a little bit more into it, personal cash. Um, and I appreciated by 120,000, right? So it doubled plus, uh, you know, so, uh, it went, you know, 100, 140% more, uh, than what I originally purchased it for. And so the cool thing about two or three K is they'll walk you through the process. You got to remember this, uh, motivation is everything and understanding, you know, the other person's side is important. Banks are not going to lose money. I mean, that's rule number one in the banking industry. They're not going to lose money. Right. Uh, and you know, and so they're going to walk you through the process cause they don't want to lose money. So, uh, a, they vet the contractor for you. Um, B, they're going to help you evaluate, you know, how much to put into it, right? You're going to have somebody specialize your case to figure out how much you need into it. Your contractor is going to give you a quote. They're going to tell you, you know, they're going to help you walk through that process. Um, after you get done, the bank, you know, sends out checks in installments, right? So when the contractor is halfway done, they'll send half the check. When it's all the way done, they're going to go verify the work and then they're going to give them the rest of the money. So if he doesn't do, you know, if he tries to screw you over, the bank's not going to give him money. Right. So that give that's puts you, the two or three K investor in a great position. Right. Because because, you know, if you get screwed, well, the bank didn't uh, didn't pay him the money. Now you can get another contractor out there to fulfill that contract and you don't have to pay for that generally. Right. So. Uh, so, again, the bank walks you through that process and allows you to learn on the job and it can be a really, really great situation. However, with banks walking you through the process, it means that there's a lot more paperwork. It's a lot more drawn out, right? And so it's not always fast. So that's something else to consider, right? It's not as fast as some other situations. But when you get speed, generally, you're going to get less protection, right? And less walking through. So it's just, it's, you know, the pendulum goes back and forth. What do you want? Do you want, do you want speed and a little more risk? Or do you want, you know, a little bit slower, but the bank's going to ensure that your property gets done to, you know, to your specs. And um, Matt Picaro is great on this side. He, he really advises getting a two or three uh, consultant. Right. There's consultants you can hire that'll walk you through the process even more than just a loan officer um, will. And so that's a great you know, tool to have if you want it. Um, additionally, uh, he has what, what he calls the 60 second hack. Um, you can go find that video on his Instagram page. But there's a site where you can go on and it'll show you every loan company uh, in your state who has done a 203K. So you can go to you can find out which banks or which lender are, are doing the most 203Ks. 
you call them up and then you go find who the officer is that is producing these loans. That'll save you so much headache. Let me take it from me. Okay, I went through somebody who, you know, is a, a mortgage uh, lender and, you know, he sold me on the fact that he knew what he was doing. It was only like his fourth loan that he'd ever done. On top of that, he had never even done a 203K, right? So, I mean, it was like two and a half months before we closed on it, right? And so, I mean, that's not the end of the world, but working with somebody that actually knows what they're doing is important. So uh, if you're considering a 203K, go talk to Matt Picaro for sure. Well said, that's a lot of information. Uh, the 203K is a very powerful tool. Um, you could be a lot like me where maybe your first property, you don't wanna do all that work. I was fortunate enough to shadow Brad during that process. And I decided for me, I'm going to get a move-in ready property. Uh, I want to build up that confidence. So I just wanted to get in the game too. And that was the easiest way for me to get in the game, to get into real estate, to get a house hack, was to find that move-in ready property. Um, it, it was a much simpler process. And now that I have that confidence, I have a goal in a couple of years when I'm eligible for another FHA loan to do a 203K loan. But for me personally, I needed to build that confidence. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's why I mentioned right up front, like you have to decide what mm -hmm. you want because you and I did it totally different, but yet we got the same result, which is we don't have to pay our mortgage. Right. So, exactly. You know, you just have to decide that for yourself uh, because the ultimate, you know, house hacking, you get a 30% or more ROI on the fact that you don't have a mortgage anymore or you reduce your rent or mortgage depending on your market. It could be substantially more. So um, again, that's the big ROI. That's what you should focus on. And then if you want to go above and beyond that and do something like a 203K, great. I mean, I had great success. Uh, if you're planning on going through that, DM me, DM Matt. Um, Matt I, Matt has mm -hmm. a course uh, set up for 203K uh, individuals that are going to go through it. Go through that course. That'll save you a lot of time and headache. Um, or DM me, whatever you want. Uh, you know, it's a great resource. I, you know, I mean, that's the best deal I've ever done. Uh, but it didn't, but it came with some hiccups. It came with some stressful times. Uh, it, everything wasn't, you know, rosy and sunshine, right? It was, it was a, it was a tough situation. You were there with me, right? There were every day, there was something new tearing into properties and doing renovations. There's always something unexpected. You just have to know that. Um, and, uh, you know, you can do great. And again, another thing to remember doing renovation on property can just substantially increase your, your cash flow. I mean, the cash flow numbers on that property compared to like the duplex I'm in now or some of the properties that I evaluate and things like that, like are just, I mean, out of this world better. Right. Uh, but that's because I did such a, a huge renovation on it. And so, you know, you can, you can do really, really, really well doing renovations. You just have to know what you're getting into. Yeah. And if you determine that you can handle that workload and the stress that might come from a 203k loan, the reward is going to be equity. You're going to get more equity out of it than doing just a standard FHA loan because of that value add and that renovation of the property. All right. Maria asked, how do you refinance out of an FHA loan and convert it to a conventional so you can get a second FHA loan and buy another duplex? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a, it's a pretty common question. There's really like three ways to do this. A, uh, if you fulfill, you know, you have to make this decision on which one makes the most sense. Okay. But A, if you fulfill the seasoning period for your FHA, which is generally a year, uh, but for me, it was six months. So it's all you know, lender specific. Um, but if you stay in it for a year, after that year, you are now allowed to move out of it and keep it as a rental property, okay? So that's number one. Number two, you can refinance to a investment property, like a conventional, like she's talking about. However, if you're gonna do it to a conventional as an investment property, you generally have to have 20% equity or more in the property, right? So if you only put 3.5% down, there's two ways you can do that. A, 
the property values have appreciated to the point where you have 20% equity. And I believe it's 22% if it's appreciation or B you have now uh, lowered your down payment to, you know, you've paid down the loan to 20%, right? Where, where, uh, say you went from 3.5% down, you went from 3.5 to 20, right? So one of those two things generally have to happen um, for you to be able to refinance to a conventional. The third way is you can actually have two FHA loans. Not a whole lot of people know that. Joe Williams from episode number seven came on and he has two FHA loans. I believe he's actually done three, but he has two right now. Um, and you know there are four ways that the FHA will allow you to have another loan. Number one, you move more than 100 miles away from the other FHA property, okay? So that means that generally job relocation, right? You move from job to job, or maybe within the same company, but different office, uh, like Joe. Uh, or, I mean, it's very vague. You can even move 100 miles, I mean, you know, and keep the same job. That'd be a little more difficult. Um, but you could have two properties for that reason. The second reason, your family size grows. Very vague, right? Uh, maybe you get married, maybe you have a kid, uh, maybe... Your spouse, you know, has has kids, so you have stepkids. Uh, there are many ways that a family can grow, uh, and that's also up to a lender's interpretation. So talk to a couple lenders about that. The third and fourth way are kind of similar. If you have a jointly owned FHA and you leave it, or if the uh, you know if you have a jointly owned property and they take over possession of it, one of the other one of the two ways you can then have a second FHA property. You can actually have ownership in it as long as it's jointly owned and you leave it. Um, so again, talk to a lender that's very specific, but those are the four reasons that you could have multiple FHAs. So those three ways uh, where you just leave an FHA loan, go get a conventional uh, mortgage for your second one and you keep the FHA uh, you know, as an investment property or you refinance, but you have to have equity stake in it. Or third, you can try to get a second FHA. Um, so uh, those are the, generally the three best ways. Awesome. And, and you don't have to do an FHA um, necessarily for another duplex. Uh, we have heard of lenders doing 5% down. I haven't experienced it. I talked with a lender on a phone who said, if I go around to local banks, there's a good chance that I'll find one that will do a 5% down conventional on a duplex too. And we had Craig Curlop. Um, he wrote the house hacking success or excuse me, the house hacking strategy book. And he mentioned that too. So it is possible that you might not have to do another FHA loan, but there are several creative ways to do a second FHA loan. Absolutely. And Chad Duvall, who's going to be on the podcast, uh, he he did a USDA loan in Boston, right? Which is a, a, a development loan, rural development, but you don't have to be out in rural areas. He did it in, in Boston, uh, around our market in Detroit. That's, you know, that's very uh, possible in Grand Rapids where you are. You, you know, there's a lot of USDA uh, available spots. So USDA is a loan for you. VA, if you're a veteran, you can use that. Um, conventional, right? There are many options for you uh, to do this. It doesn't just have to be FHA. FHA is a great program though. We do, we do really like it. Um, but again, many options for you. Absolutely. All right. So Jay asked, how do I run numbers and evaluate deals? That's a great question. We get that question often. Uh, and so my, my easy back of the napkin type evaluations are this, okay. I'll look at a property and in my market, uh, in most markets that aren't strictly coastal, even Denver, Craig Curlap, uh, uses the 1% rule. Okay. And Denver is a very hot market and, and so are some areas around us uh, are hot as well, but not as hot as maybe the coastal, right? So if you're in Central America, uh, generally the 1% rule is a good rule of thumb. Um, and the 1% rule just simply states that if you buy a property for $200,000 each month 
you should get 1% of that, which would be $2,000. 1% of $200,000 is $2,000. So, so that's just a base number that allows you to quickly determine, is my property likely to cash flow? There's number one. Then I use the 50% rule, which just allows you to separate um, you know, expenses from income. And a lot of people use a 60-40. We had Mark McMahon on the podcast, and he uses this, the 40% rule, which means that 40% are for uh, 40% of income is expenses. And again, that 40% doesn't include the financing costs, but it just gives you a percentage of what you're paying in taxes, insurance, maintenance on the property, right? Reserves. A lot of things go into uh, what expenses would be for the property, but that's something to consider, right? Capital expenditure is, is sort of in your reserve column, right? Uh, for big time, you know, when the when the furnace goes out, when the, when the uh, roof goes out, right? Uh, things like that you should consider for expenses, and that's what he uses for the 40% rule. So 40 or 50%, depending on your market, uh, but it's just an easy way to kind of quickly determine expenses, net income, right? Which leads into the second one uh, or the next one, which is cap rate, right? That you need to know the net operating income for that, right? That's a that's a big number, and generally it's more so used in large commercial. Uh, you know, cap rates are very predominant, but it's a good thing to know. Uh, you know, in the in the residential space because it just gives you a return on on uh, the ROI on a property, a gross rent multiplier. Is another one, and and again, I'm not, I'm not going to get into weeds on each one of these, but you can go to our YouTube channel, and we break down every single one with a specific um, house, and we just give it to you so you can run the numbers yourself. And so the last two are net income after financing costs, and then cash on cash return, right? So those are the six that we easily, um, you know, just qu- very quickly look through a property, and then we go after we get a property accepted. That's when we go through and we really evaluate and do our due diligence. Um, so that's the best way. Go to our YouTube, watch each one of those, and get a better understanding on how to evaluate deals. Uh, so we got Pavel. He asked, what strategies are out there for buying the first, my first single-family residence for my family using an FHA, but then refinancing into a 30-year loan to lower the payment? So sort of similar to the first one, right? So I'm not, uh, to, to a previous question, I'm not going to go through. There's three ways to do that, right? Um, but I'm going to go even further into the fact that single family is is incredible, right? Uh, it's a great way. You can rent by the bedroom. You can do Airbnb. Um, there's a lot of, and it's easier to sell eventually if you, if you did want to, right? That's something a lot of people don't consider. If you get a multifamily, that's great. You have a higher income potential with the property, but it's also more difficult to sell because you're alienating you know, a, a, a vast majority of, of buyers which want single family properties, right? So uh, it is. it can be a very good strategy. Um, but again, I'll just briefly go over the, the three that I did earlier for, um, you know, getting out of that FHA. Number one, you can refinance into a conventional loan, uh, for an investment property, but you need 20% equity. Okay. Uh, so either the property has got to appreciate to a certain level or you got to pay down the loan to a certain level. Right. And so that's something that is very market dependent. Um, the second one is the fact that you can actually have an FHA, um, property and use it as investable. You can move out after the time allotted for you to be there and you can get a different type of loan, conventional USDA, VA loan, whatever uh, suits your specific needs. You can go do that and keep the FHA as an investment property. The third one is there's four reasons that you can get a second FHA prob- uh, property. And I'm not going to go through each one of those, talk to a loan officer, um, but Joe Williams did it. That We've had a few people, uh, Joe Williams from episode seven, by the way, um, been able to have multiple FHA properties if you want it. So multiple ways, but single family residents are very good because you get long-term rent t- uh, tenants that way. And, and to add on to that, if you're looking to house hack a single family residence, uh, we've heard of a lot of people taking a basement and finishing it, adding laundry, 
adding a kitchen, making it its own basically apartment without actually splitting it into a duplex and running out that area. And that's also going to increase the value of that home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So the next question, another question from Pavel is, is a cash flow strategy on SFR or single family residence possible in an expensive market? If so, how? Absolutely. We've had a lot of people on the show that have great success with single family residences in expensive markets. Uh, for instance, Travis in Orlando, right? He has two properties that are single family. He kind of stumbled upon house hacking uh, because a friend wanted to move down there uh, and rent out for just a short period of time. And then his friend brought a friend. So he it was $500 a room and he was getting $1,000 a month and he was almost paying his mortgage. He's like, wow, this is awesome. So he started doing that more. And then he bought another single family closer to Disney uh, for, you know, for short-term uh, Airbnb. And so single family residents can be very, very efficient for that because you can buy single family residences generally a lot cheaper than you can buy multifamily, which means that if you rent by the bedroom, you generally get more rent than a person would get on a standard lease on a multifamily, right? If I have a three or three or four bedroom, two bath, um, you know, single family, or if I have a two bedroom, one bath, right? I'm going to get a lot more rent by renting out the other three rooms. Than I am that two bedroom, one bath duplex, right? The one next door. So, um, yes, absolutely. And we have people in California that have done it, uh, in Florida, um, you know, even in Texas. Uh, and so absolutely it, it can be a great strategy. Uh, and there are a lot of tips and tricks that we can go into on a later date with Airbnb. Um, we've had people on the show that, that, you know, have done very, very well with Airbnb, uh, renting out by the room or, uh, downstairs at the Joneses, you know, she was on here and she converted a different, you know, a unit in the basement, like you said, and she rents the three, uh, bedrooms upstairs, right? You can be very, very creative in single family home and you can do very well that way. Great. So, uh, we have another question from Pavel, uh, not sure if Airbnb is possible in Los Angeles or San Francisco, where not only the market is expensive, but also Airbnb restrictions require owner occupancy. Uh, also, Pavel has kids, and he's concerned about that challenge as well. Absolutely. So all, every single one of those are valid, and that's another reason why, uh, going back to some of our previous answers to some of these questions, having a, a, a real estate agent that is an investor-friendly real estate agent is so key. If you're in California, I'm going to give a shout-out here. If you're in California, especially in Orange County, um, uh, talk to Mark McMahon. Uh, it's at Mark underscore McMahon underscore real estate underscore or underscore, underscore real, underscore estate. Um, but he's out there yeah. and we can even link it into the show notes. Uh, but he's incredible. I mean, not only is he helping investors, but he's also an agent and he specializes in this and he understands his rules. He understands where you can and can't use Airbnb. And that's important. Um, so I know there are pockets around LA and around those cities that, where you can, but he's absolutely right. In certain cities, they, you know, they ban this. Um, and in certain subdivisions as well, in HOAs, a lot of times you can't use Airbnb and things like that. So you have to know the rules. You have to know where you can and can't invest. That's very, very important. Um, but there are ways to do it and people like Mark are doing it. So I would get a hold of them. Great. Yeah. And, and if it's not, obviously like you can do it when it's owner occupied, but you can't as a investment property. Uh, I think that's something that'd be great to take advantage of. Maybe you don't and, want and a long-term tenant there, but maybe there's certain times where you want to rent out and every now and then have a tenant in there through Airbnb, you can change the times on those listings and the dates that it's available. Right. Some, sometimes even areas will outlaw it altogether. It doesn't matter if it's your personal home or not. They won't allow Airbnb. Um, and that's just, that's, you know, luckily for us in our markets, that that is not the case. 
Um, but in certain areas like San Francisco, I've heard, you know, that they've outlawed that. Another thing is what we're, we're bringing someone on the show for accessory dwelling units, which has become a huge phenomenon in, in California. So if you're in California, uh, you can turn uh, a basement, a garage, uh, maybe a shed out back or even build a shed out back for a second unit. And people are paying their mortgage with this, these things. Right. So uh, we're bringing a couple of people on. For you know that are in California, changing the dynamics of housing out there with accessory dwelling units (ADUs). You can research that. I mean, it's all over the web. It's all over Instagram. There are a lot of people uh, that we follow that we connect with that do ADUs. That's another option for people in California: is building or constructing an ADU, and banks will finance that. So we talked earlier about the uh, to kick off the show with the two hundred three k loan, um, you know, for buying a property. But if you already own it, or if you're moving into it, you can use that or other loan specific out in uh, California for ADUs. So another big thing in hot markets like that, ADUs are becoming very, very popular. Very cool. 